You're listening to episode 203 of the Fitz Pro podcast, and today is going to be for trainers and trainees alike. We are going to go over factors of training, so what makes up a training program and all of the factors within, and what you should be focusing on within those factors if your goal is hypertrophy versus if your goal is strength. These are often put into the same pool when it comes to training. And that's because there is a lot of carryover between hypertrophy and strength. The muscle size is the potential for strength and force output. So it makes sense, but there are some differentiating factors when it comes to training specifically for one of the two of these. So hopefully today's episode will make clear if you are training for hypertrophy or strength, what you should be focusing on within these factors of training to get the most out of your program, whether you are following Built by Annie or another training program, your own or someone else's. Without further ado, let's dive in. The FitzPro podcast is your no BS approach to seeking out truth in the world that is online health and fitness. You'll see through the lens of the trainer, the trainee, and the entrepreneur. I'm your host, Annie Miller, certified strength and conditioning specialist, entrepreneur, lover of sleep, lattes, and dinosaurs, aka not your average Fitzbo. And my aim is to help you grow your mind, body, and business through knowledge and authenticity so that you too can become a Fitzpro. First off, I do want to thank the only supplement company that I personally use, that my husband uses, that my family uses, and that is Legion Athletics. They are the number one brand of all natural sports supplements in the world. You can use code Annie at checkout for 20% off your first order or double Legion reward points if you already love Legion and you would like to support me. Uh, My current intake of their supplements because I am breastfeeding and there's just not enough research to support creatine intake, though I do think it would probably have more, I would hypothesize that it has more positive benefits than not. But until there is research to back it, I would rather just not. Though my training is now more hypertrophy based than recovery based, um, I cannot wait until I'm done breastfeeding to be able to take creatine. So anyway, Their whey protein is a staple for me. It was a staple throughout pregnancy in order to get 20 to 40 grams of high quality protein in, especially in that first trimester when, you know, I didn't want protein and protein sounded gross. It's just unappealing. It's a way to keep protein high. Protein is how we make the majority of our cells. So it is something that you need. Uh, If you are attempting to build muscle, you need to be intaking more protein than you probably think, more protein than you probably are. And their whey protein is extremely high quality. All of their products are high quality. They're scientifically backed, meaning that you can see why the ingredients are used, as well as the dosages of the ingredients. So I use, for instance, the non-stim pre-workout. The stim has, I believe, 350 milligrams of caffeine. That is just a lot for my body, but that is also the dose that shows actual effects of caffeine on training, which is why that is the dose that is used. So that is what I mean by scientifically backed. They're not just throwing things together hodgepodge. If you would like to add supplements to your current dietary intake, I highly suggest Legion. Check them out. Again, go to buylegion.com, B-U-Y-Legion.com and use code Annie at checkout. So today's episode is all about strength and hypertrophy. This is very fitting considering that I announced on Instagram that I would be gearing my training away from kind of postpartum C-section recovery specific training into more hypertrophy based training. Now, that is in comparison to strictly strength-based training. To me, strength is 
more taxing. It's physically taxing and mentally taxing than just more of a bodybuilding style training program. So that is what I have chosen to follow. My main, you know, goal in also probably trying to conceive another child in not that long of a time from now uh, is to just build as much muscle as I can. So that's that's the bottom line. Recover, you know, my pelvic floor and my C-section scar through scar mobilization and build as much muscle as possible. It's the most time efficient for me and it makes the most sense as far as the season that I am in. So I thought we'd do an episode on, you know, what is the difference between strength and hypertrophy training when it comes to tempo, when it comes to rest periods, when it comes to range of motion and consistency and frequency and all of these things. What do you focus on in these for strength versus hypertrophy, RPE? We're going to go over all those factors. So strength and hypertrophy, as I mentioned in the intro, are often lumped together in conversations around training. And that is because there is heavy carryover between methods used to attain both of these results. But there are fine differences, and that is what today's episode is going to cover. So if hypertrophy, aka muscle growth, is your main goal in comparison to strength, or strength is your main priority in comparison to hypertrophy, today's monologue should hopefully be helpful for you. And I am stoked to cover this one because again, it's very front of mind with the type of training that I am currently doing. So my programming is a mix of my programming as in built by Annie uh, is my 12 month signature training program is a mix of strength and hypertrophy, but I am personally, like I said, in a hypertrophy specific training phase and I will be for the foreseeable future, even training through, you know, my next pregnancy, God willing, whenever that happens. So strength training, true strength training requires a high mental load. In my opinion, in my experience, there is no going through the motions when you are training for strength. It can be a lot, a lot of time, a lot of brain space, and a lot of stress on the joints, frankly, it's simply just not what makes sense for my current postpartum season. While I am pushing strength in some of the movements in the program that I am following, most of my focus is hypertrophy. So you should be able to identify through this episode what I am personally practicing in my training. So we're going to go over six aspects of training, six factors of training, and the differences in their application to training based on hypertrophy versus strength. Let us begin. First up is going to be RPE or rate of perceived exertion. Higher RPE with strength training, generally speaking, we're looking at eight plus when we are training specifically for absolute strength. Okay. Even for repeat strength, RPE is going to be eight or above. Hypertrophy can happen on a much wider spectrum of RPE than strength. So we can have hypertrophy working at five, six, seven RPE versus working primarily at that eight RPE. Now these differences come down to load in relationship to volume, of course. So while hypertrophy can certainly be a byproduct of absolute strength training, strength will likely be at a lower volume. So less sets and reps or less total volume with a higher load and therefore a higher RPE in comparison to the other options for hypertrophy. So again, that's not to say that hypertrophy can't take place in those lower volume, high load sets. It is just that hypertrophy can also take place in a much larger range of volume and load. So the difference in RPE again is you can work at a lower RPE 
still working to m- close to muscular fatigue for hypertrophy, but that RPE might be six or seven versus working at that RPE of eight, okay, for hypertrophy versus strength. Again, don't see these as black and white. Uh, there is carryover between these. We are looking at the very, very finite differences. So let's go on to warm up sets and pre fatigue. What is the difference between a warm up set and pre fatigue, and what are their roles in strength versus hypertrophy? So I want you to think about warm up sets are a must for strength training. They are a non negotiable. You are not just going to walk up to a deadlift bar and start at your working set load. You are going to need to prime your muscles, your nervous system, your mind, etc., for whatever your working load is going to be when it comes to strength training. Warm-up sets are not always needed for hypertrophy training. Again, if we're working at an RPE of, you know, six or seven, we likely don't need a warm-up set for that. An RPE in strength training of five, six, seven is going to be your warm-up sets for your working sets. Pre-fatigue is something that makes a lot of sense for hypertrophy training, doesn't make a whole lot of sense for strength training. You want to reserve all of those muscle fibers for the strength sets that you are going to do, right? So we don't want to necessarily pre-fatigue the muscle fibers that we want functioning at high capacity when it comes to the strength training. So pre-fatigue is something that is more applicable to hypertrophy training. We are looking for the feeling of that burn. We're looking for, for lack of a better term, the activation of muscle fibers that we are going to be looking to put under high, high fatigue that day with hypertrophy training. So if you are going to be doing um, knee dominant lower body work, so maybe split squats, maybe lunges, things of that sort, then doing a leg extension for 15 to 20 reps for two sets before actually starting kind of the main lifts for the day makes sense for hypertrophy training. That does not necessarily make the most sense for strength training. Warm-up sets for strength training or select exercises in hypertrophy training ensure that you prime the body for whatever the proper load is that you are going to use for all of your working sets, meaning we don't leave anything on the table. So we are not wasting working sets with loads that are not challenging enough, that are not at that RPE of eight if we are talking about those strength sets. Pre-fatigue is used, like I said, to pre-fatigue the muscle groups that you are focusing that day in a more hypertrophy-based program. Warm-up sets may or may not be needed for the hypertrophy, but they are definitely suggested and needed for most strength training, especially if we are doing strength training with those large compound movements. So let's go ahead and move on to rest periods. Training absolute strength requires longer rest periods in order to demonstrate repeat strength and to get the most force out of your muscle fibers each set. You need to utilize that two to three minutes of rest if you are doing true strength training. And the loads that you are using should demand that you need that rest. If you can complete your next set after, you know, 30 to 60 seconds of rest, you likely are not moving a challenging enough load. I won't say absolute, but you likely are not moving a challenging enough load. 
As mentioned earlier, hypertrophy can be trained across a much larger spectrum of volume and load, therefore rest periods as well, because rest periods are typically relative to the volume and load that are being used. These all go hand in hand. You could see no rest all the way up to 120 seconds of rest. So no rest to two minutes of rest in a hypertrophy-based program, depending on the set and rep prescription of that program. So I can see a reason for both. Either way, actually scheduling and following rest is going to be a great way to be sure that you're working hard enough during your working sets, whether you are doing strength or hypertrophy-based training, you should need, like I said, whether you're doing strength or hypertrophy, you should need the rest in order to complete the programmed sets and loads. Okay. So If the RPE is seven or eight in hypertrophy and strength training, you need to be uh, decently challenged by that. So you should only have, you know, two to three reps left in the tank, two to three questionable reps left in the tank if you are working at an RPE of seven or eight. Okay. So your RIR should be two to three. If you could probably perform four or more, more reps, then you need to increase that load. That goes for any program. We're not talking about strength or hypertrophy, just generally based on the RPE. Now let's get into tempo. I don't have research to back this, but truly should find some because I'm sure it exists. Tempo is like all the rage right now. The fitness industry has decided that tempo is now the new shiny thing uh, that has come out of nowhere, which is hilarious because it's been around for decades in the fitness industry. I mean, even German volume training used it. uh, The juggernaut method used it. Several programs for decades, like I said, have used tempo work. Okay. Negatives are tempo work. For some reason, the industry, I don't know who started it, has decided that it is now like the holy grail, which it's important. Okay. But it is not going to magically fix any programming um, or get you gains but it's it's important nonetheless. So for strength, following a controlled tempo is going to be beneficial for training the skill that you are pushing and the adaptation of strength within that skill. Tempo is going to be important for that. Now, tempo in absolute strength, a quicker tempo down than maybe what would be normally suggested is going to benefit you because of the stretch reflex at the bottom of say a squat or bench press, etc., it is also going to be beneficial to move quicker because it's less time under tension, but we do not want to move so quick that we lose control, especially if we are working at high RPE, high loads. For hypertrophy, tempo plays the role of increasing time under tension and possibly better muscle fiber recruitment. We can create a constant muscle contraction by using tempo, which is highly effective for hypertrophy training and not necessarily the most effective for strength training, right? A slower tempo is going to be more taxing on the muscles, especially a slow eccentric phase. So that is highly, highly suggested for hypertrophy-based training. It is suggested for strength training only in the sense of keeping control of the movement. So I want to make sure that that differentiation is clear. Tempo is important. It is likely going to get you a lot of gains in the hypertrophy world, okay? Because hypertrophy is all about mechanical tension and muscle fatigue, 
And we can do a lot of that through utilizing tempo. So let's go ahead and move on to range of motion. These, we have two more, I believe, range of motion and consistency and frequency. So range of motion, we love the topic of range of motion. In general, this has also been like a buzzword over the years in health and fitness. And I'm surprised it hasn't come back around again. I think it might be making its way back around. So tempo is all the talk right now. I'm waiting for range of motion to be all the talk. Wait, just you mark my words. Okay. You heard it here first. In general, it is beneficial for longevity first off to train in some capacity through your end ranges, which ideally get larger. Your ranges get larger uh, as you train and as you work on your mobility, always training under all loads is not going to be your best bet when it comes to range of motion. Okay. Short range of motion, long range of motion, they all have their place, especially within hypertrophy training. So we're going to talk about strength and hypertrophy. Gaining strength across all ranges of motion is going to increase your overall strength. We see that in research. If you can increase strength across all different degrees of a given movement, you increase total strength. It is also going to give you potential to recruit more muscle fibers because we are recruiting muscle fibers across a larger range. If training absolute strength, shorter ranges of motion, kind of like a quicker tempo is actually going to be more beneficial because it lowers the time under tension. And obviously it requires less distance traveled in moving whatever load you are moving. This is in terms of absolute strength. But like I said, training in some capacity for longer, larger ranges of motion will likely have positive carryover to that absolute strength in shorter ranges as well. Now for hypertrophy training, if you can stretch a muscle and keep it under tension, you're playing the best game for muscle growth. Because like I said, we can access and call upon more muscle fibers with this approach. And that is the name of the freaking game if hypertrophy and muscle growth is your goal. Muscle fiber recruitment. It is why you also see bodybuilders hitting a muscle group from as many different angles as they possibly can. That's all about fiber recruitment, which again is the main goal of hypertrophy. Now let's move on to the last topic, and then we can wrap this up. Consistency and frequency. So how often should you be hitting muscle groups and movement patterns. For hypertrophy, at least two days a week. The data is as conclusive as data can be on hitting a muscle two times per week if hypertrophy is the goal to maximize the hydroperfic effect. Now, strength, I use the rule of every five to seven days, but you can certainly be more often than that. None of this is black and white. Okay, so there is no exact must follow rule here, but there do seem to be some best practices. So that's where these numbers come from. And training age does also play a role here. So I follow professionals who are training lower body five days per week, and they can handle that volume and recover from it because they've been professionally building their work capacity, what volume they can handle at high loads and their strength and skills for 15 plus years would not suggest for most people, would not suggest for novice or intermediate lifters. Okay, context matters. Studies suggest that for hypertrophy, training the same muscle group at least twice per week, again, is best for maximizing the hypertrophic effects. For strength, you certainly don't want to go longer than five to seven days without training a skill and providing the stimulus that you want for that muscle group 
when you are performing said skill. So five to seven days is like the minimum. That's the baseline. You don't want to go longer than five to seven days. Oftentimes bench, deadlift, and squats are those movement patterns when we're talking absolute strength, but you could train all three of those skills three days per week if you would like to and be fine as well. If you've ever heard of undulating periodization or undulating programming is more what I like to refer to it as. I cover this inside my peer programming course. This would be an example of when you are hitting all three of these movements three days per week, and they don't have to be these movements. They could be something else, uh, but you are managing volume and hitting three skills three days per week or more, uh, but you're working on something different within that skill each day. It then becomes, like I said, a game of managing that volume uh, so that you aren't destroyed from those lifts every single day. That is all I have for today's episode. Those are some of the differentiating factors when it comes to strength versus hypertrophy. Hopefully you can see those uh, minute differences and those make sense. Maybe you can see them in your own training or you can see them as a way to apply to your client's programming if you are a coach. If you find value here, if you enjoyed this episode, please give it five stars, leave it a review wherever you tune in. If you're not on my mailing list, check out Annie's Daily Dose and Annie's Weekly Wisdom. You can find those at anniemiller.co slash news. Until next time, I am Annie Miller, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Fitz Pro Podcast.